You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on charity season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 351. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A great interview for you today. We've got Kate Casey from the Reality Life Podcast. Love checking in with her every few months or so to talk about what's going on in the world of television. Uh, We talk definitely some reality shows, a little bit about The Golden Bachelor, Vanderpump Rules, Big Brother. She's got four daughters and lives in Orange County. Did she take them to the Taylor Swift concert this past weekend or anytime earlier this week? We talk about Real Housewives of New York, since I don't watch that show, but I had some questions about it. Also, we discuss Claim to Fame, Stars on Mars, and just one of the things that she always does, you know, when she comes on, she recommends some documentaries on the streaming services and some really good ones that we talk about in this podcast. So we'll get to that momentarily. So the Daily Roundup was up earlier today. I talked a little bit about uh, Caitlin being approached at LAX by TMZ and just the inappropriateness of their line of questioning towards her. Uh, If I were Caitlin, I wouldn't have spoken to them, but this is something that possibly could have been arranged, and it was, I mean, that it, you know, called in ahead of time, and she knew she was going to have to speak to them. But I don't know. I, I would have told them to get out of my face. And I have nothing to say to you. You are not a reporter. You're a leech. And your whole life revolves around literally following around celebrities and bombarding them with questions when they're not ready. Just, ugh. I wouldn't have done it if I were her, but I'm not her. And it's not like it makes her a bad person or anything. I just, I, I, I wouldn't have talked to them if I were her because they're rude and they're invasive. So Why? She was in Los Angeles at LAX because Caitlin was part of Tuesday's group date for The Golden Bachelor, which was in Agora Hills. I told you there were two public dates this week, Tuesday in Agora Hills and this Saturday at Westlake Athletic Club where they're telling people to dress like they're going to the U.S. Open. So my guess is they will be playing pickleball and hopefully I'll get some information out of that. While nothing really got out of Tuesday's group date, other than that Caitlin was part of it, I can say this. I do have a spoiler about yesterday's date, although it's a mini-spoiler since we don't know who any of these women are. ABC has not released the cast list of these women, and it doesn't look like they're going to because they're a week into filming now. You'd think if they were going to do it, they would have done it by now. What I can tell you is this. Yesterday's one-on-one date went to a woman named Ellen, and Ellen got the pretty woman date so i don't know if that makes her a front runner i don't know if that makes her someone that's at least going to go far i don't know if that's going to be the woman that ends up winning this thing i don't know but i don't have anything else to give you other than her name's ellen (laughs) so that's what abc gets for not releasing the cast list to where we could have at least tried to see who are these women where do they come from where do they live do they have any social media accounts and know a little bit more about them but we don't so when the cast list does come out Just know that Ellen got the pretty woman date, and that happened yesterday. 
also on the Daily Roundup, talked a little bit about Big Brother. If you haven't heard the big news by now, Luke dropped the N-word during the live feeds when he was speaking to Corey and who was the other person? Heisem. So he was speaking to Corey and Heisem, said the N-word. It was caught. Clearly, people that follow the live feeds were up in arms about it, as they should have been. CBS obviously knew about it, and they have removed him from the show. So that makes tonight's live eviction, well, we don't even know if it's going to be an eviction, to be honest with you. Because now that one person has already been removed, do they still have a vote tonight and vote off Felicia or Kirsten? We're not going to know until tonight happens. As I said on the Daily Roundup, my guess, and this is a complete guess, my guess is nobody gets eliminated at the eviction. Felicia and Kirsten are allowed to stay because usually these things are pretty mapped out as to, okay, on August 10th, we're going to have our first person leave the show, and then August 17th, our second person. They, they, They have it mapped out for pretty much the whole season. Is it possible they still do it and we have two people gone in the first week? I guess. But I just I think because they took Luke out of the show and removed him uh, for saying the N-word, something that they finally took action on. I mean, we've had some other problematic contestants in the past that said stuff just equal or as bad as what Luke did and were allowed to stay on the show. So CBS finally, after 25 seasons, learning from their mistakes and realizing, yeah, we should take people off the show who say problematic things and racist things. So he's gone. He gone. Now, will Kirsten or Felicia be gone and still have an eviction tonight? Mm, We'll have to see, but my guess is no. The Big D last night was really interesting because all the people who have been eliminated this season were brought back on the show Brooks, who only lasted one episode, Casey's ex-husband, came back and just started laying into Casey. He clearly is a jealous, jealous individual with anger management problems. And, I mean, you saw how heated it got between them and how triggered Casey is by him. And this goes to what I said a couple days ago and what I said again today on the Daily Roundup, which is, I did an interview with Casey already. It's in the can. It's 90 minutes long, and it's about her book, Cinderella Girl, which is on Amazon that you can purchase, and it talks about her upbringing, and I can tell you right now, it is very triggering, and you will hear things about Casey's um, childhood that you probably, I'm guessing most of you don't know, unless you are a family member of hers, unless you are a friend of hers, unless you knew her growing up you wouldn't have any idea what Casey went through in her life. Um, I can say it is one of the more fucked up childhoods I've ever heard of in my life. And she's made it through a lot. And the fact that she has to deal with that asshole as an ex-husband, man, I feel bad for her. I really do. Um, You could say, well, she's the one that married him. say, okay, can we cut somebody some slack? We all make mistakes. He doesn't have to compound it by being an asshole on top of it. You know, it was brought up for the first time last night, even though we're nine episodes in and the finale is next week. First time last night, it was brought up the fact that they have a child together. And if you follow Casey on social media, you're very well aware she has a son. Well, that's Brooks's son. They share a son together who's seven and a half years old. And Brooks, 
threw that in her face last night and threw in the fact that he bought her a car and all this stuff. Like, we're going to get to the bottom of a lot of stuff. The interview I already recorded with her had nothing to do with the show. It was strictly about her book. So I'm probably going to end up doing a two-part interview with Casey. The first part will be let's talk about the show, and then the following week we'll go into the 90-minute that I recorded of her uh, talking about her book. But like I say, when I do podcasts, the reason I do podcasts and interview podcasts is everybody's got a story. Some people have a more interesting story than others. Casey's probably top three of all time that have ever been on this podcast. It's that good. It's that interesting. And it's that heartbreaking. And I can't wait for you uh, all to hear it because it's just something you never would have known otherwise, you know? Anyway, um, that's going to be coming up in a couple weeks. We're going to have, you know, the, the Temptation Island people as well. I and mean, we've got a lot of Big D and Temptation Island interviews coming up uh, in the next month or so on this podcast because Temptation Island, their part one of their finale is next week. So their other finale will be on the 23rd. Their part two will be on the 23rd. And then maybe the reunion show airs that night or maybe the next week. I don't know. But we won't start having Temptation Island people on this podcast until the show is completely done. And then Big D people will probably start next week. We're going to start hearing from contestants next week on the Big D since the finale is next Wednesday night. So we're going to have somebody on Thursday for sure. So keep that in mind. This podcast brought to you by Way. That's O-U-A-I. And look, I'll be the first to admit, I don't have a lot of hair. You've seen me. It's very thin. It's not a lot. But I've never really been a hair guy. Never really known what to put in my hair. And then Way sent me their products, and it's exactly what I needed. You know, it's whether you're fine or medium or thick. Way is just your type. No matter what hair needs, volume, shine, hydration, their shampoos and conditioners are made to give your standards, your strands, exactly what they need, helping you with multiple hair concerns to get you on your way to good hair day every single day. Get on your way to healthier hair one day at a time with shampoos and conditioners that are just your type. You got to go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code promo code REALITYSTEVE for 15% off your entire purchase. Way is spelled O-U-A-I, but the website is T-H-E-O-U-A-I. Theway.com, promo code REALITYSTEVE for 15% off your entire purchase. It's also brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Feel your best this August with seasonal recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. They deliver everything you need to eat Clean the easy way for the rest of the summer. Feel your best with the nutritionist-approved recipes packed with clean ingredients that support your healthy lifestyle and taste great, too. I've told you about some of my meals on Green Chef that I absolutely love to cook for myself. Really love the pork with apple and raisins. I really like the spicy beef and broccoli noodle bowls. But that crispy southern chicken with the Creole Dijonais, mashed potatoes, green beans, and tomatoes. That might be my top one. I really like it. Very easy to make. Makes it under 30 minutes. 
and it is excellent. So go to greenchef.com slash realitysteve50. Use promo code realitysteve50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash realitysteve50. Use promo code realitysteve50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. All right, let's get started. Podcast number 351. All right, here she is. Uh, you know her as a multi-time guest on this show. She's the host of the Reality Life podcast with Kate Casey. It is Kate Casey. Kate, how you doing? Oh, my God, I love you. I'm glad to be back. I hope that everybody's ready to hear about a bunch of great shows because I feel like we have a lot of homework for them. Yeah, uh, we do, but we got to first talk about some of the regular things we talk about on this show. I don't want to talk bachelorette right now i feel like i've talked about that enough the season is (laughs) only got two episodes left everybody knows where it's headed i'm curious about asking you in regards to the golden bachelor what do you think about this do you think this is going to succeed do you think it's a good idea are you interested in watching it or you're just like i'm 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 good i don't have to watch this i mean i'll watch the first episode because i always like something that's different and it sounds uh clever ish but i just i was thinking a lot about the bachelor and the bachelorette today and thinking about how i just don't know how they can last much longer in an ecosystem that really uh rewards and is celebrated by people uh, because it's it's much more edgy like it the bachelor and bachelorette feels very um old school and saccharine where mm-hmm. you know temptation island you know love island all of those like there is an element of risque there that they just can't ever do on The Bachelor and Bachelorette that it kind of makes it seem very outdated. So the idea of an elder bachelor, I don't also, I think it's almost impossible for them to find somebody who's perfect. I think historically the leads on Bachelor and Bachelorette kind of, you know, they're, they're Christian and they're from the Midwest. And I think they do a, a a, a good job of finding people who are kind of moldable, if you will. Um, but I don't think that's going to be as easy with somebody who's lived a full life, don't you think? Yeah, I think there's an element of the audience out there that always likes to watch for the love story, but the, I think they are few and far between. Most people, we've talked about this in the past, most people want a show that has a bunch of drama and a bunch of cattiness. As much as they complain about, oh, there's so much drama on these shows, trust me, if you watched a show and everybody got along and there was no drama, you'd be like, this is boring. So don't. Right. <laughs> so I think The Golden Bachelor, while I'm sure it will have drama, I do think it's more, I think... It's going to be different in the fact that we know there's going to be widows on this show and they're going to pull at the heartstrings with some of these backstories of some of the women who I've lost my husband. I've never dated since then. This is my first time falling in love like they're going to they're going to go after that. And if they don't, they're making a mistake because that's that's the angle I would take if I was a producer on The Golden Bachelor is you have got to the first time you're doing this show. You just don't know what your audience is. Are 25-year-old women who watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette going to want to watch a 71-year-old Bachelor? I don't know. I'm not sure yet. This is the first iteration, so we have to see how it plays out. I but think I, I think know. I think they'll watch uh, they'll watch the first episode, but yeah. then I think they're going to get bored because they want to watch Love Island to see people um, pretty much have sex. Yeah, I mean that's the oh. thing. What you hit was yeah. exactly right. It's very it's way more edgy. The stuff on the stuff on the um, streaming networks is way more edgy. They do a better job on their social media channel. And The Bachelor, while it has survived and been around 47 seasons in 20 years, 
it's kind of the same thing every season. I mean, edgy for them is, oh, he had sex with two people on the overnights. It's like great. Right. <laughs> it's like great. On, on too hot to handle, they're having sex in front of somebody. Like who cares what? That's, that's exactly you know? right. Yeah. It's like yeah. It, what's the what's the catch now for the Bachelor? And you know, I, I guess they're still trying to appeal to we are the foundation, and we still think that people will always tune into us because they know what they're getting. If we change who we are, we might lose those people and then have nobody left. Versus. The few that are left that really like to watch for a love story and this and this and that. I'm just like, okay, well, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think the Golden Bachelor is very interesting. I, I'm I'm definitely curious to see who watches this. I don't think the ratings are all of a sudden going to explode because, like no, you said, of no, not at all. so much <laughs> other stuff out there. But you know, we'll see how it goes. I like you said. I think it's uh, the, the curiosity factor is, hey, let's tune into this for one or two episodes, see how it is. It's only an hour, so you don't have to you don't have to dedicate, you know, 2 hours to it every Monday night. It's only an hour. It's on after Dance with the Stars. I get it. Let's let's see how it does and, you know, maybe it'll become a a yearly thing, maybe not. Maybe this is the only season we get of it. We have no idea right now. True. Very true. So, here's what I want to ask you. I Jumped on the bandwagon, just like everybody else in America, when it came to Vanderpump. Never seen an episode. <laughs> never seen an episode of my life. Um, yeah. But saw. I knew all the names of the people just based on, you know, being on EW and People and Us Weekly every day. You know, I I know the names of the people. Then when the scandal broke, I'm like, I call. I I talked to a friend at the time who watched every episode of every season, and I said, I was more interested in like how the, the how the sausage was made. I'm like, okay, wait a second. Where are we at right now in the season airing? And and they're like, it's around episode four right now. And I said, okay, so is this going to get addressed this season? And they're like, well, we don't know yet. And then we find out, okay, the reunion show is going to be filmed in a couple weeks, and here we go. So I tuned in to the three-part reunion, and now I'm hooked. I'm going to watch every episode from here on out. I don't feel I need to go back and watch ten seasons of stuff. I'm, I, just, I don't have the time. No, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. And I, and I yeah. kind of know everybody who's been with who and whatnot. So I get it going forward. That's really all I need. Here's my question to you, and this is what I brought up as a, as a novice of Vanderpump. When this all happened, and I was looking on um, – Bachelor Data's stuff. I did notice that season nine never had one episode that drew a million viewers. And it mm -hmm. almost looked like this was on its last legs. It is, was. Is there any part of you that thinks this was all made up? No, because okay. I'm I'm friends with the executive producer and I've interviewed him as well. Okay. They they were just as shocked as we all were. Yeah, the the show really truly was on its last legs. It was a it started about a group of friends that work together, and you know, ultimately, they're all grown up. <laughs> you know, they have jobs outside of a restaurant, and it was becoming harder to have connections that felt authentic, and their lives weren't crossing over as much. And then there was, you know, the season where they introduced Raquel, and she clearly was using James to be on the show. It was very, very obvious. So it just became kind of inauthentic for a while, and so when the story broke. I mean, it was sort of like the gift that keeps on giving because it made people interested in the show again. Yeah. I think ultimately what sucked people in is that it's such a relatable story. Like we've all known someone who's been a cheater and the idea of someone carrying on an affair while spending time with a couple is while completely sick and twisted, it is sort of universal. Like it does happen a lot more 
than you think. So I think that's why people kind of got sucked in. And I also have found over time that this is an unusual reality show because men and women both watch it. Sometimes I feel like like some shows are very heavy on, on female viewership. And I think that there are men that love this show because, especially in the early seasons, it reminded them of their lives before they had responsibilities. So while people got excited again, it was because it harkens back to those early days of like, you know, people without children making boneheaded decisions and just totally screwing up their life. And you could kind of watch from the sidelines. Yeah, I mean, I was fascinated by it all because I knew none of these characters other than their name. I knew nothing about Tom Sandoval until this all broke. I just knew the name. And I knew about a Tom Tom thing, and I knew there were two Toms on the show, but I knew nothing about their personality. I'd never heard them speak before because I never watched the show. You know, I never watched any interviews. I just knew the names. And then you get drawn in because you're like, and I, you know, my friend filled me in on everything. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. Okay, he was with Ariana for nine years. Here comes this woman who was also engaged to uh, James at one point. It's like, okay, this is interesting stuff. This is voyeurism at its finest for the people on the outside. This is why I say there's a reason you're watching Vanderpump Rules and the once the scandal broke that they was drawing three million, uh, three million viewers an episode for the reunion show. Because people wanted to see that stuff. This is exactly what I'm talking about. You want drama. As much as people say and complain it's all drama, that's what you want. So (laughs) we wanted to see what the reaction was when Ariana was confronted for the first time uh, with Sandoval or the first thing she said to him after she found out about everything. You know, it was all very, very enticing. And I'm in. I'm in. I'm in until the show goes off the air. Now, my question is this. When I tuned in as a novice to the reunion shows... I thought James Kennedy was like the funniest human being in the world. Yeah, totally. He's the new star of the show. For okay, sure. so, but everyone tells me you're like, yeah, but he's got a very sketchy past, very problematic past, big time well, drinker, do. drug user, was very, uh, you know, not nice to women. So, no, not has, at all. has he completely just done a 180? How is he like so no, well liked now? He, I think that there's sort of an agreement between the viewers and the people on the show that we understand that they're all at, at some cellular level, horrible people in their own ways. They've all cheated. They've all betrayed somebody. Lots of them have issues, uh, whether it be addiction or gam, I don't know, whatever it may be. So it doesn't really bother people in the same way it would on like the bachelor or some other shows because the show began with cheating and people were stabbing each other in the back. So, mm. you know, you're kind of starting a level playing ground that way. Um, James also started the show. He was a lot younger than everybody. So I think people give him a little grace that way. But ultimately, listen, people who watch the show have very complicated, busy lives and they use it as an opportunity to be entertained. And so you don't really get caught up in like, well, you know, he cheated on her and that wasn't right because it's just like, like I said, an agreement. Like we know they're all terrible in their own way, which kind of is what makes the show so fun. You let go of some of the moral compass because it's just a consistent train wreck. I loved it. I loved the reunion. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally my first time watching these people. And now I love all of them. I, I, you know, I know the history, but I don't know like the deep history. I just know who's been with who, who's been engaged to who, who's fucked who. I know that part. 
Other than that, I don't really know every single detail. So, and, and I don't need to. I just need to know the basics. Here's my here's my yeah. other question. I think I know the answer to this, but I want to see what your answer is. Does Raquel slash Rachel ever appear on the show again? I think she I think she has a contractual obligation to, I'm assuming because of the contract that she originally signed. So I would assume so, but I just don't think it's going to be. This is my assessment, but it would probably be like be a full season thing. Yeah. I think that a lot of people want to come back when they feel like they've been um, misunderstood or their story wasn't told accurately to kind of repair the damage that happened before. And I feel like in her case, that may happen, but not for the full season, like maybe one scene. I also think, and it seems to be, that maybe there's been a new way of looking at it from the cast members, having some distance from the show. And that was the hope of the executive producer when I spoke to him, was that they all needed a little bit of time away from it. They were so heated that I felt like at the end of that reunion, the, the women were in particular quite vicious. And I think that in hindsight, that a, an opportunity to have a, a conversation with Rachel might actually be somewhat healing for all of them if done the right way. I will say this too, knowing the executive producer for so many years, he really does care about his cast and what's in their best interest. And I know there's a lot that is said in recent times about like reality TV producers, but I mean, they're all really invested in these stories and they know the cast so well and that show in particular, I can say that they would never want to put Raquel slash Rachel, Rachel, she wants to be called again, yeah. in, in a precarious position, especially after spending so much time on this healing journey. Yeah, I think that's what I've said. As somebody who knows very little, I said, there's no way she never appears on the show again, but I don't see her ever coming back as she's not going to be an every episode person. She can't. She doesn't need this in her life, if she's truly looking to heal and truly looking to change her life and be a better person, she can't go back into this world full time. But well, that, well, that's kind of the burden too. And I have a lot of conversations with cast, as I'm sure you do offline. But I always recommend, you know, you need to walk away and claim your life back, and that will give you the opportunity to have some introspection. But in this case, I think that there's so many loose ends that need to be tied up and. Things became so heated last season. It really became such a, a mega mainstream uh, story that I think the plight of the executive producer, who even said it in my interview, he said, I'm totally stressed about it, is that people are going to expect those stories to, to, to kind of unravel. And if she doesn't come back, I, I could imagine the audience flipping out. But really, it's her decision. But my assessment is, She'll just do some small thing, but she can walk away and feel better about the way she left things. Yeah. Here's my final thing on Vanderpump. Ariana has made out like a bandit in all this. She is America's sweetheart. What I don't know is, was there ever a time in the 10 seasons of this show where Ariana was looked at, I don't know, negatively by the audience, was put down by a lot of people, people didn't like her? It seems like she's... From what I've heard, I could be wrong. From what I've heard, it seems like she's always been somebody that people were behind and was the most likable character on the show. And then once she gets cheated on by her boyfriend of nine years and with her best friend, it just became like, oh, now she's in a different stratosphere 
of likability. Uh, she gets Dancing with the Stars coming up in the fall. Like mm-hmm. her star is on the rise, and Tom Sandoval couldn't be any more hated if he tried. And right is is Ariana always been this way? Is this always been? And then now it's just gotten bigger because of this. Well, I, this is why this moving to parts to it, and I swear somebody can do a college course on it. Um, actually, when Ariana joined the show, she was very awkward at first and kind of hung in the background and, and wasn't it wasn't like an easy transition for her to be on the show. And then she got into a relationship with Tom. And people get frustrated sometimes when they look back at the timeline. He was with another girl. He was with Kristen Doty. Yeah. And then they started a relationship. But I think because she was a girl's, a guy's girl and she was friends with the girls, she was sort of like... She could navigate both of those uh, that people liked her, and she kind of went under the radar for a bit. Um, you kind of got this asset, like this idea as an outsider. Like, I don't know, maybe there's more to her relationship with Tom because he seemed to be like yeah, he seemed to be almost like still interested in other women, and you're like, why would she agree to this? So there was this assumption they had some sort of like open relationship. Um, so that made it a little bit more complicated. I will also say that people liked Ariana because she's very open about her sexual experiences and, and, and bad relationships. So I think the female viewership really enjoyed having somebody on a mainstream show like that be that open. So, um, I think that what's interesting now is that, you know, she's sort of, uh, had this experience where people are supportive of her and she's certainly made a lot of deals, but I've recently heard Lala and Stasi talk about their frustration that they weren't necessarily treated with the same um, response from the audience. And I just think that's what makes these things so interesting is that everybody has a completely different lens through which they look at life. And I think the aftermath of this affair will continue to be amazing uh, to kind of watch. Now, I think that when someone gets that much attention, then ultimately there's a, another side to it where people start to get frustrated. They're like, so she was cheated on and she makes all this money and she has all these brand deals where I see people like starting to not like Ariana, which is interesting. I don't think Tom Sandoval honestly gives a shit that anybody's angry at him because I think he's somebody who's very self-centered. And I think that he just believes this is the greatest attention I've ever received in my life. And maybe I can parlay it into being more than just the leader of a cover band. So I think Ariana strikes me as somebody who's going to use this opportunity to parlay it into business ventures and ultimately get off the show, move on to something different. Like she, I think she definitely has great business advisors, but I don't, I see Tom Sandoval sort of staying on the show forever and kind of enjoying even the bad, the, like the hatred that's come with it. Well, I even saw on his Instagram at one point, he, um, he used his Instagram feed and used all 10 slides about an article written about him of how well his band is doing and now he's selling out wherever he goes. That pretty much shows that he doesn't care what he really did. No. He cares yeah, about no, he what it's. Care. Yeah, he cares about what's happened and how much attention he's getting from it and how popular his band has become. And I've seen the clips on TikTok. I've seen it on Instagram Reels. He's a terrible singer. He's not even any good. <laughs> like he's not good. I've seen I've seen cover bands before. He 
they are a dime a dozen, and he is at the bottom of the barrel in terms of what I've seen um, singing 80 songs, but that's just me. Um, all right, I want to move on to uh, Big Brother. Uh, you are, are watching this season, and we're only two episodes in. This is going to air, actually, the, after uh, episode three airs, so we'll see who won Power of Veto and if, if anything changed. I'm not into the spoilers for Big Brother. I haven't gone online to see who won Veto and whatnot, and we'll see that. Uh, that aired in last night's episode since this is airing on Thursday, and we're recording this on Tuesday. But here's my thing for – you saw Sunday's episode, the HOH. Riley won the first HOH of the season. You saw that, right? I saw that and I interviewed uh, Pauly Calafiore and Cody Calafiore and asked them what they thought of the premiere episode, um, which was interesting. And some of their behind the scenes insight on the show is really interesting as well. The only thing that I was, <laughs> I, I feel like we've seen a competition like this before where it was just, Hey, you got to run across something and get to a button and hit it before quicker than anybody else does. We, there's a type of this competition every single season. And I was just shocked that, you know, there were 16 people on the show. Four of them didn't compete because they were up for nomination. So 12 people ran this little mini obstacle course, and only one of them thought, you know what, I'm just going to stay on the big thick board all the way around, even if it takes me longer, because anybody that goes on the yellow or red board, it's way too narrow. They're either going to fall off or they're going to have to stand there and wait for that obstacle that gets in their way, and the, or the obstacle is going to knock them off. If I just take the blue board all the way around, I'm going to get there. I, I was just shocked. She made it in 16 seconds. Nobody else was close to her. Now, there were also some people who didn't even want to compete and win HOH because they didn't want that burden of taking two people off the block and, and possibly pissing people off. But I don't know. When I watched that competition, I was just shocked that 11 people didn't realize that was the strategy to win that competition. I find that this show continues to amaze me how the rules always change uh it's so confusing to follow i have to assume that sometimes even the cast members are confused and the other thing that like some of the the way they put the apparatus together is so stupid like the boot the one that was like the boot kicking them in the butt i'm like who who came up with this stupid idea Oh, there's um, a lot of stupid competitions on this show. I mean, it's like when you think about it compared to like American Ninja Warrior or the Challenge, you're oh, like, yeah. it's close. who are the people on drugs that came up with this idea? It, the rules never make sense. And then, I don't know, the person you think is going to win it, it doesn't. And I don't know. It, I just find it all very, the show is very weird. It's almost, and like, then, it's almost like a giant acid trip. Hell, even the narrator it, no, sounds it is. like he's on it an is. acid trip. And then the and then the place is de decorated like it's a Nickelodeon set, which yeah. is weird. And then I asked Polly, I'm like, don't you think that the beginning of the show is shot really weird? The way that Julie Chen walks out and she like it's choppy. Like yeah. she'll stare at the camera and then she'll move to the other. I'm like, haven't we elevated this whole process more? And he said, I think that they like to keep it old school like that. Yeah. No, I mean I've only watched in season 21, so I've watched four seasons and then I've watched all the celebrity ones and. Yeah, and that's how she gets the nickname Chenbot because they think she's a, just a robot up there. She has no emotion. She's clearly reading off cue cards, which she doesn't do very well because it sounds like <laughs> she's reading. She doesn't. A lot of hosts read off cue cards, but they have they have a way to make it flow. She just is. I I don't think she's a very good host at all. But she's literally been doing the same exact thing for twenty five seasons. This is this is what she does. So I understand what Paulie says. Like, yeah, they don't want to. They don't want to break away from who they are. They'll throw twists in here and there, 
but essentially the whole season is a Nickelodeon set with a goofy narrator, <laughs> and it, it's almost like a game for kids. You know, it's like it, it's like you know double, it's like Double said? Dare. It's a lot like Double Dare. Back it in is the day. like Double Dare. Paulie and Cody told me that when you're on the show, you are so constipated because you're you're not eating right. You're nervous. You don't feel comfortable using the bathroom. So they all they both said that everyone feels this massive relief the first time they use the restroom after they go off the show. Interesting. I would have never known that. I thought that was so interesting too. I was like, wow. I know because they do have a camera in that bathroom and it's just a matter They're of- like, you never, they're like, we try not to ever go to the bathroom. Which is really weird because that could really cause you some major stomach issues. <laughs> totally. That, that was weird. And then um, I, I, I remember I asked them about showmances i was like or what what do you do if someone in your alliance is a showmance and cody said i the minute somebody has a showmance you're out of the alliance like you can't be trusted did cody know you know cody and sari were on the traders together and they have been yes did he he, know she was going on he he did not know she was going on but he was like she is a lethal competitor like she's on an unbelievable player yeah yeah, I mean, and it looks like, I mean, I've watched every season of Survivor. I'm well aware of who she is and her gameplay. And if I'm in that Big Brother house, while it'd be great to fangirl over her and be very excited and be like, wow, I'm in the presence of Sari, if you're smart on that show, you have to get her out. The longer she oh, lasts, you know she's what going he, to win. You know what else? They, I think he said that she's all business. Like, she's a totally different person when they're off the show. I do know that she, like, totally loves reality television shows, but she's, yeah. All business when she's during the show. You know, the first season that I ever watched a Big Brother, uh, so season one, there was a girl named Jamie, and she's a billionaire now. She sold her makeup company, and she's a billionaire. Huh. Jamie Kern, you got to look her up. Like, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I was such a latecomer just because this show always airs during the summer, and that's when Bachelorette is on, and I just couldn't dedicate three nights a week to this show. But then once I realized I can kind of fast forward through some of this stuff because <laughs> it's so goofy and corny. And the Sunday show is basically like almost like a recap show of what happened during the week. Um, you know, I feel like, I, I mean, I, I, I watch it now and I'm, and I'm hooked. I watch it because I like any game show reality show where you vote people off and they ultimately end up determining the winner. I, I, I like that social aspect of it. So I'll always like, Big yeah. Brother. but again, just like Vanderpump Rules, I don't need to go back and watch seasons one through 20 of Big Brother. Number no, one, you do not. Number no, one, because there's 50 episodes a season. I just don't have yeah. the time for this. And two, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't play for me now. I don't have to. I don't need to know. I'm not writing a book about the history of Big Brother. I don't need to know past winners and past game strategy. So, No, no, you don't. But I enjoy the show, and I'm going to continue to watch it. Um, I want to move on to this. You are a mother of five, I believe, right? Yep. You live in Orange County. Yes. As we are recording this, Taylor Swift is in her final, <laughs> well, in in the first half of her U.S. tour, uh, 90% of her U.S. tour. She added three other cities back in the back end of 2024. But she is currently at SoFi Stadium. She did Thursday, Friday, Saturday last week. She did last night. She's doing tonight. She's doing Wednesday. Tomorrow night, Wednesday night, is her final show for a year uh, in the United mm-hmm. States. You have five children. You are a mother. You have daughters. Mm-hmm. I gotta believe. Yep. You wait. You don't have a daughter. I have four daughters and one boy. Four daughters. Okay. Yeah. Did you go to Taylor Swift 
at any point last weekend or going this no, week? No, no, I didn't. No, but I, I can tell you every person I know took their kids there. Yeah. And I, and I didn't. And I was like, well, first of all, I'm just, like, I don't like concerts because all the songs sound the same after a while and then the traffic when you leave. But I was thinking, I'm like, everybody has gone here. Why, why did I not go? And it occurred to me that I do so many interviews with people that were in a cult or were directed a, <laughs> something about a cult that I'm kind of um, weary now of something that everybody else wants to do. Like if everybody wants to do have the same car or the bag or the same trip or read the same book, I think I've now become tainted by my cult experiences where if everyone's doing it, I'm start I start to question like should I be doing it? Yeah. I'm not saying that Taylor Swift's a cult leader, but I am saying it is like cult-ish the way like everybody dressed up, you know, with glitter outfits and the cowboy boots and I think for some reason I was like, I, I, I could abort that mission. I don't think I need to do it. Also, I do think it's absurd how expensive those tickets were. Yeah. And th to understand Southern California, for those that are in other parts of the country, this is very much a place where the difference is in New York, you want to set the trend. And here it's a paranoia about following the trend. So everybody's the same car. They go on the same vacations. They have the same hair extension. Like there's a lot of um, likeness here. And so I think because I'm originally from the East Coast, I start to get kind of like creeped out if I feel like everyone's doing the same thing. Now, if you, it was the documentary on Taylor Swift, I'd interview her and I'd probably enjoy it. But like, as far as like all going and like, I don't know, the lights and the glitter and everyone's wearing the same bracelets, it kind of creeps me out. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting take. You're definitely in the minority on that. Um, I went to it. I absolutely loved it. I think she puts on, uh, you know, this is this. I mean, I was talking about this with somebody. She's literally approaching Michael Jackson's status, if not more. She's oh, probably for sure. She's yeah. going down in history as the greatest pop star ever in music. I don't think it's but unlike, I don't even think but, there's a debate anymore. Well, unlike Michael Jackson, I think she's so well liked and I and I also think that we are ripe for a female performer, the likes of Dolly Parton, who is so charitable and female-centered and kind and generous. I think it's really refreshing to, to see a woman so in power of her own agency and her career and, and is so generous in, in passing the torch and moving the needle for other people. And that's what I think is going to make her even bigger than Michael Jackson. Yeah. And I think obviously Michael Jackson with the um, huge, you know, major scandal behind him. I mean, this is a woman that has been in a pop culture for almost 20 years now and, you know, mm -hmm. never gets in trouble, never caught with the hanging with the bad crowd, never any negative publicity really surrounding her and throwing the greatest concert tour known to mankind. And it's going to be the highest grossing tour ever in the history of music. And it's just, it's amazing what she's done. I mean, it's just, it's very impressive. Somebody, very impressive. Somebody just posted it. So she started this concert tour in March. Uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night is the end of the U.S. tour. And then she takes two weeks off. And then, she, so she basically did about 55 U.S. Uh, concerts. Then she's going to go overseas. And from August of 2023 to August of 2024, she's going to do 71 dates and God knows how many different oh my countries. Lord for another year and then after that year she's going to come back and finish up in 
three U.S. cities as of now. For all we know, she's going to keep adding more. This is now going to be over 150 concerts that she does in a span of about 20. She started in March of 2023, and it's going to end in November. As of right now, the last tour dates are Toronto in November of 2024. So we're looking at, you know, we're looking at 15 months. Um, yeah, we're looking at a 15-month really tour she, with 150 dates. That's crazy. She, she really does remind me of Dolly Parton. I recommend everybody watch the Netflix documentary on Dolly Parton, which you will cry. It, she's a prolific songwriter, just like Dolly. But they they're, they have this incredible way of staying so private, but at the same time, you feel like you know them because they pour their hearts out in their lyrics. So you feel like you know them because of their lyrics, but then somehow are able to preserve their private life from the media. Are your daughters fans of hers and disappointed that they didn't go, or they they're just not? They, no, they, yeah, no, they it. totally they totally like like her, and uh, two of them are mm. dancers and dance a lot to their songs. But I, I think maybe they're like, yeah, that seems overwhelming to be in a big stadium. I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe they write about this in the tell-all about how I was a horrible mother. Probably. <laughs> Um, all right, moving on from Taylor, let's talk about uh, one of the shows that you are very well versed in. It, it is The Housewives. I know nothing about The Housewives other than my <laughs> love for Melissa Gorga, and I know nothing about her. But um, I know that Real Housewives of New York has started. Now, on the very periphery, like I said, go to, going to entertainment sites and seeing stories here and there, I remember looking a couple weeks ago when, I guess, Real Housewives of New York had just recently... It, how many how many weeks ago did it start? Uh, the, they just had the fourth episode, okay. so four weeks. So I think I've seen like an article written about it, and I and I kind of clicked on it. Is it just me, or did they just reboot the whole cast? I don't know who any of these women are. I haven't heard their names. Yeah, it's totally new. So okay. they had okay, so they not, co- oh. consider it like the consider it like the legacy cast, which were the women that be- really started the first season, well, or at least some of them. So as one can imagine, when someone's been on television for, you know, 12 seasons, you know, essentially like 10 to 12 years, I mean, people get kind of bored with their stories. Like imagine if it was the same Bachelor or Bachelorette lead every season for five, six, seven, you get bored out of your mind. There's nothing new to learn. So I've been screaming from the mountaintops for a long time that I think the audience is eager for new and interesting stories, which is why they watch all these other reality shows. So... The last season that they did of the older version of the show was a disaster. Few people watched it. There was it was also in the heat of like a lot of like COVID frustration, people arguing. So I think the show needed to take like a hot minute to take a break. And then they decided let's start let's have this experiment where we get new women and try to do a different version. And I think at the time they were like, well, maybe they'll, they'll be in tandem. And then I think they realized that like the legacy women are better if they do like a girl's trip. So they just did one that, that was filmed in Morocco that comes out in September. And it's those older women that were in the beginning of the show. And so what what's interesting about this new group of women is a lot of them are... Um, they're like influencers. So it's like this new era where I just think that's the current ecosystem system that we live in, right? Where a lot of people like our influencers, they're online. And then you have Jenna Lyons who ran J crew, 
which is interesting. She used to be on a reality show uh, for just one season on HBO that was kind of behind the scenes of her business. And she's sort of an interesting housewife choice because she's this like incredible working background. Of course, she put J. Crew on the map with like Michelle Obama and a lot of celebrities. And she like dressed Beyonce and spent time with all these people. And she's the most socially awkward, but at the same time, the most vulnerable and open. And I don't know if it's because she's older than the other women, but um, it's just kind of like new and different stories and a new, a modern take on who are the women that live in New York City now. Um, but some people are like, eh, you know, too many influencers. So I think it's kind of up to the audience to see what they feel. But I was just so eager to hear new people's stories. Like Real Housewives of Salt Lake City um beverly hills definitely oc i kind of think they should scrap them and just have a different cast hmm. so you just think it's just getting new jersey too new jersey too like i mean how many times do you retell the story that Teresa and melissa hate each other like we already know it like uh, i i i don't i'm not learning anything new i want to show where it's going to take me a good bit of time to unravel all the person's layers by this time like all the the onions layers are, are gone. Like we got them all. We figured it out. So that's why if you want to start a real housewives, like you can easily jump into this new fresh season. Are they interesting so far? I mean, through four episodes, do you find this cast better or worse or kind of, you're still learning about them? I, you're still learning and it's just, it's just different. So it's like comparing apples to oranges. That said, I find that it like in Real Housewives in the past, I would want to watch it the, the night it airs. And now I find myself checking in like four or five days later, which probably doesn't say much about it. But then at the same time, when I first w started watching Real Housewives, there were far less options. Now it's a saturated market. There are so many different options, it's, it's certainly with um, streaming, so many docu-series. And also the, the Housewives... Um, structure is outdated just like the bachelorette where you know because the streaming services people uh, uh services so many people just want to binge six episodes they don't want to wait a whole week and because they have to wait a, a week it's almost like you have to reintroduce the characters to people like this is why you should care about them and their personal story where people are like you know with in the tiktok age they're like if you're not interesting in the first 30 seconds of the scene i'm out so hmm. I think a lot of these shows uh, that are on network TV, and I know you love network TV, but I think the plight, again, of the, these producers is how to make it fresh and new and keep up with the timeline um, of TV and in accordance with, with an audience that has a very short attention span. Well, we might have to just get <clears throat> used to reality TV for a little bit since this writer strike doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon. These people aren't, These sides aren't even meeting right now. Um, yeah. So we're just going to be stuck with reality shows and new iterations of reality shows and repeats of scripted shows until this thing is solved. And, you know, I, I think I thought by the end of summer it would be resolved. But, you know, basically just kind of reading stuff that I have been reading. They're not even close. <laughs> the, no, the it studio, doesn't seem studios like and the writers yeah. are not even close and the actors are not even close right now. So who knows when it's going to someone's going to have to cave and someone's going to have to relent and kind of give in because, uh, you know, it seems like that would come from the actors and the writer's side since studios have way more money. But I don't know. It's like chicken and the egg theory. Um, yeah. Is it can the studio survive without producing anything new or can writers and actors survive 
uh, without getting a paycheck for coming up on three months now. You know, I don't. Right. I don't know. Um, it's just it's heartbreaking. All of the people that are you know just really struggling right now because of it, and I you know I think about that a lot too. Um, just out of curiosity, are you watching Claim to Fame or Stars on Mars? <laughs> I watched a little bit of both shows. Um, Stars on Mars fascinated me because I am fascinated by Lance Armstrong. And I was like, I cannot believe that he's on the show with Tom Schwartz. <laughs> I, that, that to me is kind of genius, the way that they pulled that I'm off. I have to say another good show. I like that Secret Forces show. I think that the way that they cast those two shows are very interesting. Claim to Fame is enormously entertaining to me because I find the people in someone's entourage to be even more interesting than the actual star. Like if you like Housewives, for example, like the people that do the hair and the makeup and are their publicists, they're more of a diva than the actual Housewives sometimes. So the idea of like a star's like cousin being on the show just like trips me up because they they have these big egos. I'm like, and for what reason? Yeah. Yeah, I've been I've been watching. I didn't want I didn't watch any of Stars on Mars. I just I got so put off by the title. I thought it was so corny and cheesy. But then again, here I am watching Big Brother. But um Well, by the way, on Stars on Mars it would be like they give people titles that I don't know. Like they're confusing. Like it was like Rumor Willis and I don't remember exactly. It was like producer, director, writer, com comedian, like entrepreneur. I'm like, wait, what? There are a couple people that were on that show that they refer to them as entrepreneurs in the same way, like a bachelorette or bachelor contestant or an entrepreneur. And you're like, wait, like, can I see some proof of this? <laughs> and I, then the claim to fame, the first episode when Tom Hanks's niece went, went crazy. Ballistic, what was yeah. interesting about that was she actually is the niece of Rita Wilson. And then you have to wonder, did the producer say, not as many people care who Rita Wilson is, so we ha we're going to push the Tom. And then she probably felt like an asshole because she's like, I have to tell my aunt that I did this dumb show, and then I have to tell her, well, your your husband was more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I saw and that some And some of them, like, it's oh like, my gosh. well, then there's funny because it's like Donny Osmond's son, and you're like, okay it's so obvious, but then you realize that there are a bunch of like 20 year olds who would have no idea. And actually last season they had this one kid and he's like, you know, my grandfather is a big deal. Like if I want to communicate with him, I have to go through an assistant cause he doesn't have a phone and he's like this gigantic star. And so the other people are like, Oh my God, who is it? Is it like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Like who could it be? And it was Chuck Norris. And you're like, well, how many people know who Chuck Norris is? So I just find that to be fascinating how the celebrity relative sometimes thinks their celebrity relative is the most famous person in the world. Or like last season they had Whoopi Goldberg's daughter and you're, you're like, you literally look exactly like Whoopi Goldberg. And then some people are like trying to like game the system. They're like, Hmm, I'm trying to figure out who she's related to. I'm like, you're literally looking at Whoopi Goldberg 2.0. What are you talking about? Yeah, when it's I kind of funny. when I first watched episode one, the only person I recognized by face where I could say they look like I guarantee they are related to this person was Donny Osmond's son. I was like, Jesus, they're like a spitting image of each other. I know, but then some, then you're like, if you're not Mormon and you were not, you have zero reference to like, you know, songs of the eighties and seventies, yeah. like you wouldn't know. Yeah, you, like, you, and I'm such a comedy snob. I knew that. Uh, 
uh, J.D. Smoove, it was his daughter because she looks just like him. But I'm like, if somebody doesn't know Curb Your Enthusiasm <clears throat> or some of these other shows, they wouldn't know who he was. Yeah, and if you're most of those people on that show look to be, I don't know, in the twenty year twenty year old range. I, if you're in the if you're in your twenties right now, unless you're like going to Vegas and seeing shows all the time or whatever, or you you looking through your parents' album <laughs> right album collection, you wouldn't know who Donnie Osmond is. As yeah, a, as a twenty year old, he's in his seventies now, isn't he? I think so. 60, um, 70. Yes, but it, but it's wild because he's had so much surgery. <clears throat> he he looks, looks like he just came out yeah. of like a cryogenic chamber. I don't know. Yeah, he 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 definitely looks younger than what his age is. Um, you know what? I want to I, I, I want to get this right. I just want to pull him up real quick. I want to. I said seventies. <laughs> uh, Donny Osmond. Okay, go ahead. I'm gonna say What's your 70s, guess? I'm seventy-seven. Sixty-five. Oh, wow. wow. 1950, Good for him. 1957. I mean, he looks great for 65, but he I, looks great. I thought he was yeah. in, I thought he was in his 70s. Um I I did too. Wow. So one thing we always do when we have you on is we end the podcast talking about suggestions for what people should watch. And mm-hmm. yeah. usually it's documentaries because you're a big yeah. documentary person. I just watched one Today, I watched uh, Netflix's Untold series uh, on Johnny Manziel. I can't wait until the four-part series on the University of Florida football team comes out. Oh, I can't wait either. I'm so excited. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. Obviously, I'm a huge college football fan, followed that team. Um, That's going to be really good, and it's a four-parter. I mean, Johnny Manziel was only an hour and ten minutes. I thought it yeah. ended. I thought it ended kind of abruptly. Like all of a sudden, it was just like, "Oh yeah," and uh, here he is now. Boom, done. I, I yeah. It's the only issue I had with it. I thought it was really good. I loved seeing the clips of him back in college because he was one of the most exciting quarterbacks ever in college football history. Uh, seeing his downfall or whatever, I just thought they would spend more time on how he's recovered and where he is now. But you know, whatever. It was still a very mm-hmm. good documentary. So. I want you to just list off a few. Uh, it doesn't have to be documentaries. Good, good stuff. Okay. Anything of what you think people should be watching now or coming up. Okay. Two sports things. Uh, uh, quarterback on Netflix. Excellent. Is a great series. Six episodes goes behind the scenes of three NFL quarterbacks. Excellent. I also would say um, my episode today was about Stephen Curry underrated on Apple TV plus that's just a documentary and it's excellent. If you want true crime, I'm still kind of obsessed with who killed Robert Wone on Peacock. I'm assuming you don't know the story. No, but okay, I have, so, I've seen the commercial for it. Okay. All you need to know is this. So Robert Wone was married and worked as a general counsel for air Asia and in DC and he worked late one night and he made arrangements to stay at his friend from college's home in DuPont circle. His friend, uh, was married, uh, same-sex relationship, and then there was another man who lived in there, kind of like a brownstone, and they had a polyamorous relationship with the with the couple. And there was another woman that kind of lives in the basement, but she wasn't home that night. Anyway, he leaves work, he takes an Uber, he goes to their, their house, and it's about 10 o'clock at night. There's a call made to... Um, to paramedics or whatever. I think it was like 11.15. So not much time has gone by. 
and they say our our friend is staying with us and he's in the guest room and he's been stabbed there must have been an intruder well when the first responders show up you see three men outside freshly showered with white crisp robes on they go upstairs where the guest room is and robert's been stabbed he's laying in the guest room bed and it's there's a stab wound in his shirt, like like as if like you know when the, uh, like a cake when you put the knife through. Well, there's the stab wound, but there's no blood anywhere. So it's like, what the hell happened? Where is the blood? What happened? And those three guys in the crisp robes are like very cagey about what happened now. Two of the couple has since moved to Miami and one of them or maybe two of them have changed their names. But it's a very bizarre story. So if you like true crime, that one, the other one is where is baby Gabriel, Wait, where which did, is also where on did, Peacock. Where did that take? What year did that take place? When did this happen? The Robert Wong? Um, I, I think about a decade ago. Okay. And it was set in D.C. Now, this one is set in Texas and it's called where is baby Gabriel? So this woman um, named Elizabeth has a baby with her boyfriend, Logan. And, and at the time they're in Arizona and Arizona has this law, I guess, where if the couple's not married, the basically the custody should go to the, the child should be with the mother. So this woman was in foster care and she's very temperamental and tempestuous and all these things. And. The, the father, Logan, files for custody, and that makes her go a little bit crazy. She's like one of those women that will call a guy like 27 times in a day. Like, where are you? Why aren't you picking up? So on the day that he was supposed to pick up the boy, he goes to the trailer where she's living, and the trailer's been cleaned out. So he calls the police, and there's a, there's a search for her and the child. Well, they eventually find her in, I believe, Georgia at a bus stop. She's got a ruby ring in her pocket. they're like where's the baby oh on the way or uh after he can't find the baby he calls elizabeth she picks up and she's very flat voiced and he asks where's gabriel where's the baby and she says i killed him uh i killed him he was like blue in the face and i killed him and then she just sort of hangs up and so that's why he called the police he's like well i don't know what happened to my baby now when they find her they ask her where's baby gabriel and she says uh, I met with a couple at a park in San Antonio, and I don't know what their names are. They, I, I arranged for them to take custody of him, but I don't remember their names, and I purposely did that so I wouldn't have any connection to them. Okay, why is this significant? Because unbeknownst to me and likely to you and to many people, San Antonio, Texas is a hotbed, a hotspot for illegal adoptions. So the series explores how illegal adoptions are done in this country. And there's a theory that the reason she had the ruby ring was because they don't pay in cash or a check for an illegal baby adoption. It's brokered with the use of oftentimes jewelry because it, you know, is hard to trace. So the question of the series is, what did happen to baby Gabriel? Did she kill this boy? Or did she do an illegal adoption? And this baby does no. Nobody knows if it's still if Gabriel is alive or adopted, right? Is that where no? We're because at? there's there's been no there's no body. Yeah. And she says I and and there are people that remember her in the hotel in San Antonio. It was like a motel. There was a woman that was paid to babysit Gabriel when she went to meet with the couple, this so-called couple first time. And then there's the addition of this other woman who had a relationship with her 
who's very cagey about how they knew each other. And she said, uh, I almost adopted the baby because she wanted to get rid of Gabriel. But I suspect that woman that's in, involved in the story may have been an illegal baby broker. So it's a very, I remember I interviewed uh, the director, but I also interviewed a CIA, former CIA agent who talked about the illegal baby market. And it's, yeah, it's apparently in San Antonio, Texas. Is that where it all happens? Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> very, very fascinating. Um, uh, yeah. I, what else, anything else? What else you got? Um, I think that, oh, if you want it, if you like music, the Wham documentary is really good. And I think for, in terms of reality shows, I think Big Brother is totally worth your time because it's just a nice constant during the week. Yeah. Like I said, I think people get annoyed when you wait one week for an episode. The great thing about Big Brother is you've got a couple episodes every week. And of course you could go and watch Love Island. They also have a lot of episodes during the week. I like Temptation Island because I feel like the host, Mark D. Wahlberg, is like very invested in the couples. He's been married for 35 years and his wife is actually on set giving her own opinions. Yeah, You don't see her on set, but she's in the background. And I, I just like his, his point of view in a way that I don't think the host of The Bachelorette can really do. Yeah, no, Temptation Island is one of my favorites. Mark comes on uh, my podcast at the beginning of every season and to give us a kind of a preview of what to expect. This season has been an absolute hot mess. Um, I can't imagine any of these couples staying together. We've already got, no way. <laughs> we've already got one guy who's literally ended an engagement for a woman he met two weeks ago. I mean, it is it is just <laughs> awful. Um, but we're only got. I think there's only two episodes left, maybe three of of Temptation Island. So that one should be wrapping up, and I'm gonna have a lot of those contestants on my podcast coming up once the show is over same with uh the big d don't know if you watched that one that's been really interesting uh for divorce couples that went to costa rica and dated each other that's been a really good show hosted by jojo and jordan from uh, jordan right um yeah. good show and then uh what else i'm just watching like i said I'm, a, I'm such a network guy there are very few streaming shows that i watch uh now i'm in a complete time suck because I found a Beverly Hills 90210 Instagram account that plays clips from old seasons. So now I, Ugh, I kill my yeah, time no watching interest. that. Oh, I love it. No way. <laughs> but I do. But if somebody's looking to binge, I do think that the Netflix real estate shows like Selling Sunset and Buying Beverly Hills, it's so absurd. It's just fun to watch. I mean, the way they, they show up to listings dressed like they're going to go to like – the most bizarre pageant competition in the world. Like, and the, the, the guys that run the real estate agent at selling sunset. I mean, the, the, the meetings they have are so absurd. And then the, they walk into like a listing and they'll have like a little coin purse, like a really undersized, like there's no phone. It's, I think it is. It's like watching a Saturday Night Live skit. It's unbelievably crazy TV. Did buying Beverly Hills. Is that a spinoff? Got of, renewed. Is, oh, is that a spin-off uh, yeah. Of so selling it, sunset? No, it oh. is Mauricio Umansky, who was is now separated from Kyle Richards from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That's mm. a whole other story. Um, he is this very successful real estate agent. He actually used to work with Kyle's sister's husband, so Rick Hilton. And he went off on his own and he created the agency with some partners and it's grown to like this mammoth company. And so you follow him and he has a couple of his daughters that work for him. So it's like all of the absurd LA properties, the house porn that people like to watch, but with the element of like this family run business and 
he completely overlooks mistakes done by his daughters because he's like a mush. And then when you watch it, you can think about how you want to watch the upcoming season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because now Kyle and Mauricio are separated and she's been spending a lot of time with a country music star who's a woman. And there's a lot of speculation of whether or not they're a couple. I wanted to end with this going back. Cause when you were talking about this and real housewives and husbands or whatever, I wanted to go back to the whole, I'm sure you watched it. I didn't watch it. The whole expose on Lala's ex-husband. What did you think of that? I didn't think it was very well made. It was, it seemed very choppy and not really finished. Like it was too hastily done. I think that he is a complete con artist. I think the way that he wrangled Bruce Willis into making movies when he was already having a lot of health issues, putting other actors in dangerous situations is deplorable. Um, I do think Lala's story with him is interesting, but I didn't feel like a fully completed story. Like it's maybe a better story to tell like in a couple years. And I think she needs a little bit more introspection. Um, but yeah, he's disgusting. Okay. I didn't see it, but I do know it was based off of the expose that LA times did on him and they kind of just made it into a, you know what you, you know what you, you know what you might like though? There's a Hulu short series called, uh, betrayal. And it's about a woman, Jennifer Faison, who was married to a guy. They basically were high or college sweethearts, but then they broke up when he graduated, he was a year older. And then he went on to marry someone else and have kids and they got divorced. And then they reconnected on like Facebook and then they fall in love, get married. And then a couple years into her marriage, she finds out he's beyond disgusting. He's been having multiple affairs and then also was in a relationship slash not even a relationship. He was assaulting one of his students at the high school that he worked. He was like the audio engineer, videographer kind of person, not even like a real teacher, but you know, like a staff member. And he had been grooming young girls for several years and he was found guilty of it. So she's at home one day and the SWAT team shows up. Not the SWAT team. I don't know. He, they came and arrested him, but uh, that's how she found out. So it kind of goes back in time and you hear their, their origin story and it, it kind of follows the story, but it's, it's called betrayal. It's called betrayal, the perfect husband. And it's on Hulu. Oh, okay. Interesting. I feel like, I feel like if you like temptation Island, like you would want to watch that. Cause it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, what the interesting thing is i interviewed her and i asked like uh, did you see any red flags and she said honestly no he was just perfect and i thought now that's a red flag for me because not everybody's perfect yeah well what it, what's the uh, what's the one i'm blanking on that sounds very similar to um the the, the guy in orange county the the that they had the whole series on that Connie Britton was in. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. What, um, uh, Dirty John. Dirty John. Dirty yeah. John. That actually, that stabbing happened about. That's close uh, to you, right? Of a, a quarter of a mile down the street from me. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds very similar to that, where just a woman got involved with a guy, and just like, oh my god, this is the perfect man, and all of a sudden he's like, not only not perfect, I mean, just complete opposite of perfect, far from it. Affairs, but isn't that, all this stuff. But that's always man. a that's always a red flag for for men and for women. If somebody says to me, "Oh my God, they're perfect," I'm like, oh, "Well, that they're a serial killer." If you think they're perfect, 
Well, Kate, thank you so much again for coming on. I love having you on. Thank every, you. Every few months, we got to talk uh, reality TV. We got to <laughs> talk documentaries. The two that you really threw out there were Where is Baby Gabriel, which is on Peacock. Peacock. Right? And mm-hmm. then Who Killed Robert Wone, which is on Peacock. Peacock. As, as well. So, And then Betrayal, The Perfect Husband on Hulu, on Quarterback Hulu. on Netflix. We discussed Untold which is a great Netflix docu-series, yeah. and um, Stefan Curry, underrated Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah, I definitely want to watch. I totally for- Actually, thank you for reminding me. I totally blanked on the Steph Curry one. Totally forgot that so came good. out. Yeah. So good. Uh, thank you very much, Kate, for coming on, and uh, we'll obviously be in touch. Thank you. You got it. Bye. Thanks to Kate for coming on. I love having her on every few months to give us an update on what shows you need to be watching, any documentaries. She's really into the whole docuseries stuff. The only ones I usually watch are sports-related. As she mentioned, Quarterback on Netflix. I've only seen this. I'm still only three episodes into that, probably because I've gotten into my time suck with my Beverly Hills 90210 Instagram account, and it just kills my time now. But uh, I did watch the Johnny Manziel one this week. Very good. Although I thought it ended very quickly. I was just expecting more, and all of a sudden it ended. <laughs> um, and then, what's the other one? Um, oh, Hard Knocks started this past Tuesday. Uh, we'll be watching that every week inside training camp for the New York Jets. That's good stuff. And usually the sports docs are the ones I'm into the most. And, yeah, like we talked about, I can't wait for this four-part series on the Florida Gators of the early 2000s that was head coached by Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow. Remember, it also had Aaron Hernandez on it, who ended up being a double murderer and just a lot of issues with that team, a lot of bad guys on that team, yet they were so good in college football and everybody remembers them because they were winning national championships. So I can't wait for that one to come out. That's going to be part of Netflix's Untold series, but that's going to be a four-parter. Johnny Manziel was only one episode. It was an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 15 minutes. The untold story for the Florida Gators football Netflix special is going to be four parts. And I think it comes out at the end of this month. So I'll definitely be tuning into that. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. For Kate Casey, I'm Reality Steve. I will talk to you tomorrow. See you!